Bones are amazing things. They hold us up. They support us. They make us strong. But bones have other uses. In the past, bones were thrown by diviners, seeking out the mysteries of the future. Now the bones are cubes, made of plastic or resin. But they still reveal things to us. As they fall from our fingers and rattle across the table, the story becomes clear. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater, an RPG actual play podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bone Thrower's Theater. My name is Jordan, and we are going to be discussing our previous episodes of Ten Candles. My name is Chris. My name is Jeff. This is Johnny. And this is Jeremy. So, what did you guys think of Ten Candles overall? I like the system. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's cool. It's, it's very, very narrative cool. forward. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It got some really creepy parts really quick. It just reinforced what we already knew. Jordan is a dark, dark person. <laughs> you know, it's the ones who laugh and smile a lot that you have to worry about the most. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, I mean, we, we should be used to this. Like after. I said, it just reinforced what we already knew. I well, mean, Chris didn't. I don't think Chris has ever seen me get this dark. Every before. every no. campaign, every, even one-shots, like fiascos, they've got to go to a dark place every once in a while. So. Yeah. I believe existential dread is the only real way to connect with the soul. No, not really. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, I mean, I think that horror is the way that we really understand that the world is a scary place and that we are vulnerable creatures in the world. I think this game, Ten Candles, does a great job of reinforcing that because it's telling you from the very beginning, everybody's going to die. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, also, the the horror aspect does bring out more drastic actions reactions. and reactions, which is good for role-playing. Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think we haven't yet really done... Well, we Terra Proximus was a horror campaign, in that there were horrific elements sprinkled through it. Yeah, it wasn't straight it was straight horror. horror. Yeah, yeah. Like but we horror have, slash sci-fi. Kind of. Yeah, that kind of horror is really where my heart is in a lot of ways. This game, a lot of people asked on Reddit once, "What kind of game would I use if I wanted to model the movie A Quiet Place?" And everybody was like, Ten Candles." And so I'm like, "Okay, I I don't know really too much about the game, but I'm going to go ahead and get it and read through it." And it's a remarkably easy read. Like, it's really easy to read and pick up on some stuff. Now, just pulling it off the shelf and going with it tonight, I kind of forgot a few things. But I thought it overall went yeah. remarkably oh, yeah. well. I thought it also had a very uh, Stranger Things kind of It does. Kind of vibe yeah. As we were playing. Mm-hmm. Especially with the, the them that were yeah. created. I've had them be um, like small little goblins before and i've had them be like giant insects this was the first time going with something like a pseudotot like a like an octopus or a squid or something like that sea life yeah it was just is the fact that you couldn't see them like for a good portion of the first part of our play you couldn't Mm -hmm. you didn't actually know what they were yeah that's where i got that stranger things vibe yeah and you got like little hints here and there of well, and a lot of that has to come from the brink that they had, that Jeremy gave me. Because he wrote, I have seen them kill all but the youngest in the group and lead them into the darkness, never to be seen again. But we still hear them. Ooh. 
So like, <laughs> so that's like where the, that explains all the little kids. Yeah, Jeremy's the dark one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You thought I was all dark. I was just going off of what was given to me, man. And that's why I was like, oh, I still, I hear them, I hear them. Oh. <laughs> they're on the van. I think it's it's cool that it's a system that plays more on like a physical element with the candles and the burning of the other games have where you spend like a mana point or something like that to do something in the game but you were literally burning cards you were burning your character burning yes. parts of your character away yeah. to to get to use your special ability quote yeah. you know and that's just it adds like a more reluctance to spending it yeah i mean cuz there much was greater tension too there was a definite time where i mean i failed a roll and i was like but I don't want to burn because I want to get to this part of my character. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's yeah. It's like you had this tension. I saw, I think it was Jeff at one point, just kind of grab his head like, I don't know what to do. Do I burn the card or do I uh, yeah. do I yeah. hold on to it? Yeah. yeah. I had no choice but to, to burn my card because I didn't have any more dice to roll. And when you get into that kind of situation, well, then you just, you have to make a decision and it's kind of a life or death thing. Mm -hmm. And burning your card really brings that to the forefront because it's like there's no sacrifice a lot of times. Mm -hmm. uh, and this definitely puts the sacrifice into the system. I mean, we've talked about this before, but the, our style of play for Bone Thrower's Theater, especially coming from Mini 6 and then the yeah. Open D6 yeah, and system, so requires you to put a lot of thought into... How you're going to act. Yeah. Well, how are your characters going to mess up? Yeah. yeah. What is bad about your character? Where, I mean, other systems and other uh, role-playing groups that we had, I mean, everybody's more concerned about... How is your character good? Yeah, making your character so good that when you mess up, you're really upset that you didn't do what yeah. you're supposed to do, rather than build in, oh, my character, when he fails, is going to fail because of this. Mm -hmm. And that sort of plays into the personality of your character and the choices that they make. Just makes for a more interesting story. That's exactly what yeah. Jeff and I were talking about on the way up here. Was uh, you know, some people would play with, you know, they're very much max stat players. So like, how can I max out everything? You know, like myself, you all see me, I die. I enjoy it because it adds to the story. Yeah, I don't get attached to my characters. I get attached to a story. And I think that's that's one thing that's really good about the one shots is that we can explore a character in their worst moment and allow that death yeah. without feeling like it's going to come to a dead end. Mm -hmm. Not to leave Chris too much out of the conversation, <laughs> but when your chimney sweep, yeah. Michael Byram, when he died, that closed off so many open doors, no, like because he had all these contacts and, mm -hmm. and he was working like to infiltrate the, this one particular area. Yeah. And then he died, and it's like, well, that part of the story is not, no longer going to be yes. important. But then my new character brought unity to the rest of the group. Because they all hated his guts. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, getting back to, to this game, I really loved how you guys got into it. Like, the first thing you did was you're sitting down in the, in the conference room, and you're just going at it, hammering talks. Well, who do we need? What do we need? What's going on? And it didn't take a lot to start shoving you towards the brink. It's like, the phone rings. Um, we're out of security guards. Well, it's because at, at the point where 
our characters started off, they were already near the brain. Right. Yeah. 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 That's the way that it was set up. Is that Problems it's not too far alive. to go freak out and yeah. It's not like we have months to plan. It's we have hours to plan. Yeah. And the hours dropped to minutes, minutes rapidly. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. I also like the aspect of, and I've done this before, but didn't know that it was going to be set up this way because I've never played this before, where you wrote down those, uh, the virtue and the vice, and, you and then to pass it. Yeah. So I really, really like that. And it worked well because he didn't tell us beforehand that we were going to pass right. it. Right. Because I wrote right. virtues and I'm like, I started building a character In your mind, around yeah. those virtues. And then yeah. he's like, oh, pass them. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. it, I, I deliberately don't tell people because I want to crush their hopes before the game even Yeah, I mean, I, as I was writing it down, I was like, oh, I know I can, how I can use this vice. I know I can mm-hmm. use this vice. Pass it. Oh, no. Uh, okay. How do I do this? <laughs> but I thought that the, the everything kind of clicked together really nicely. Like, yeah. lazy leadership. Yeah. As a senator? Yeah. I was most impressed with... Uh, Chris's, where it was... Senator Brightburn? Yeah, Senator Brightburn, because he had compassionate and... Uh, what Callous. Was Callous. So he, 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 had, he had to, to flip from both extremes. Yeah. That's how I kind of decided on Senator. I was like, oh, it's a politician who's like, you know, bright and cheery when it, when he's, you know, getting the vote. And then, but really, he's not but like he, that. He the reason care. he's bright and cheery is that he's burning on the inside. Yeah. See, that wasn't even where I was going, but it works. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I had written Callus down, and I was like, yes, I know how to, I'm going to know how to do this. And I was like, pass it. I was like, hmm. <laughs> all right, fine, here we go. <laughs> My job as the GM is to make your life miserable. And if that means making you give up parts of the characters that you wanted to keep for yourself, well, so be it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm oh, just, no, I know, I know. I'm just saying. It just alters the way you were planning. Yeah, yeah. Which I think we can do. With, with this group, because we've we're flexible come, enough. become accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, we, back yeah, to I the, the, I, that. the idea that if something bad happens to their character... They get really they, mad. Like, we played a Shadowrun campaign, and the GM, he pretty much says, Alright, you find this weapons cache kind of thing. You can make up any weapon that you want, kind of thing. And we, so we made up these, these things. Fantastic and, weapons. And then he says, like... You can use it. You can have this weapon. You can use this weapon. But each time you use it, you roll a die, and something bad may happen. And this one character made this uber weapon, and then the first time he used it, had a horrible roll on his chance roll or whatever. And GM was like, oh, you, you, you lose your arm. And that player still, if you talk to him today, well, so is still up. upset about his character <laughs> losing his arm. That was like, what, eight years ago? Oh, it was much longer than eight well, years that's ago. That's true, yeah. yeah. It's kind of so, like uh, when I played... A, it was pretty VA character still, though. It was eight years ago last time he played that character. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, when my first time role-playing with Johnny was a, uh, like a Star Wars... That's the Wookiee bar. No, well, it wasn't even the Wookiee bar. It was, um, I was playing a... a a grand Jedi apprentice. My character had been extremely isolated and he was part of a herd culture. So I walk into a library full of, of Jedi and Johnny makes me do a, a force roll. I like to, to see. Force check, yeah. Uh, yeah, force check. 
and I failed the force check. So you, he's like, okay, well, you go to the dark side. And I'm like, but I just walked into a room. And I still gave him, I gave him quite a bit of grief of that for years. Oh, yeah. You know, because that character wound up lobotomized and sitting in the bottom of the Jedi Temple drooling. But... Mm-hmm. That's what they do. It's what they do. But I wanted to ask you about that, Chris, because this was your first time playing with this group of people. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you and I have we've done some role playing together yeah. before, but not a lot. I know it could be a little intimidating to come into a group for the first time. How how did you how did you? Uh... Well, I mean, I I you never know what to expect, but I found it to be like everyone here is ready to embrace role playing. Yeah, and that's what I like doing playing this kind of game, and so it made it easy to go. Oh, I can be who I like to be in this kind of game. Because everyone else is there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. no one likes playing the game where they have to drag everybody else along because no one wants to talk. And I've been on both ends of that, actually, where I've been the, the driving force of the, the campaign and also the dragging point of the campaign. <laughs> yeah. Master and, Willis. Well, Willis Masters. But also his current character, Jerry Lynn, has a, a bit of an obstructionist viewpoint to yeah. him. And it was kind of hard to get him really in, engaged in the game for a while. But, um, but yeah, you know, and that's something that we've worked really hard as a group is like when we started to sit down to think about how to record games, we started playing stuff like Fiasco. Have you ever played that? I have not. Okay. Oof. Oh, yeah. good. Well, too, too good bad stuff. it's really late. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a yeah. long game. It's a long game. <laughs> but if you'd like. If you like the role playing aspect yeah. of it, I mean, yeah, there's, there's no, there's no dice rolls. Pretty much, okay. it's it's all improv. There, yeah. There's three dice rolls in the entire game, and it's all of them. Wow. One thing I liked about this this system was the way that the dice moved around the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like how if there's something that happens with the dice, like the ones they come to me, mm-hmm. and then when we end the scene, well, then all except one of them go back to you guys. Mm-hmm. I thought I, I that's one of the things that I think is really brilliant. That and the timekeeping with the candles. Yeah, and we nearly had some. Major... There's a couple that were almost out. Yeah, on their own. Yeah, I don't know how much we touched on that during the game, but I think it was mentioned once. But if a candle goes out by accident, it doesn't matter. It's out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a the, scene lost. <laughs> the time Jeff breathed at the beginning of the game and almost blew out all the candles. It was like, oh! Yeah. That's a short game. <laughs> I'm getting tired. Guys. Yeah, it's like the worst birthday cake ever. <laughs> and then you well, found us like trying to prolong the game and like looking and it's like, there's one candle in front of me as we're playing. Johnny and I are pointing to that candle. It's like, that candle's about to go out. That candle's about to go out. Alright, blow out a candle. That's the one we're using because it's about to go out. <laughs> It's really easy to, to see. It, it gives you a sense of urgency, too. Like, trying to f- figure out, oh, gosh, are we going to keep these candles going long enough to get what we want to accomplish done? Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that that was some of the best rolling you'd seen. Because you said you never see, you'd never seen anyone actually get one of their hope die. Yeah, this was the first time. I played. Th- this was the third time that I played this game, and I think this is the first time that I've seen somebody get their hope die. So I think that overall, you guys were pretty hot on the dice, you know, which sounds pretty crazy when you consider like what all happened in the game. But <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. 
I hope that the tentacles out of the butt. Oh gosh! We, I guess we got to talk about that because that was kind that of that was hilarious to me. It was it was funny. It was hilarious because it was so gross. It just like, came out of out of nowhere. As soon as you say Jeff, you feel like you have to poop. I was like, <laughs> oh no, this is gonna be awful. I thought I was just gonna like poop out all my guts and be yeah. dead. So That's I listened. What I thought too. I was, I was nope. I was like, oh, he's got one of those things in him. It's gonna come out. I was, I was reading like, a. Uh, an anthology of short stories last week, I think, called The Deep. And it's all about horror. It was all horror stories that were focused on the sea. And so one of the stories was called, literally, this was the title of it, Shit Happens. And it's all about the this infection that's spreading from the sea into the land where people on boats and everything are having massive cases of diarrhea and then they become zombies. Yes, diarrhea zombies. Yeah. They're the worst. So... So I mean I, I'm I'm not gonna lie that the idea of some like you could tell in the game that how how much that was influencing with me because the creatures were like starfish shaped yeah cephalopod aspects of them and I like the aspect between scenes where we all just got this say one truth say one truth without having to worry about a dice roll that was. That was the toughest thing for me because yeah. I was always at the end. Uh-huh. Yeah. There was, I don't know, it was like th- at least three of the times I was like, I uh, can say something about this. And, and, no, Jeff did it a couple of times. I think you did it once. And it was like, oh, I can say something about this. And then you said it. Something <laughs> similar. Then you said something similar. And it was, I was like, oh, crap. What am I going to do now? All my ideas got used up. Yeah, one, one of the times one of the times I called it out, I was like, we used all your ideas, didn't we? And you were like, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's cool that it just gives everybody kind of unadulterated just a strength to steer yeah. the story yeah. whatever way they want it to go. Part of part of yeah. that, part of my hesitation on that was like, it's like, how much can I steer the story? Yeah, how much is yeah. acceptable to steer the story? That was my part of my hesitation too. It's like, what where are my limitations on this? Like, I could make myself a hero right here, or I could make <laughs> go really dark, or. You can, pretty much when you're telling the truths in the between scenes, you can go as far as you want. Okay. Just as long as it's one story. Or one one one, one, one thing. thing. I love that you were bringing in the aspect of the hydroponics people trying to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, having, like, you see their lights coming in the distance. Well, when I first, the first time I said lights on the horizon was just... Playing off of what Jeff said. Playing off of what Jeff said. And initially, I had no idea where that was going. And I had a couple ideas, but I thought they were too grand and too too much of a stretch and would steer the story too much that I kind of scaled it back and eventually went with the idea, oh, there's other people trying to get to the bunker. Also, one of the things I was trying to tie in, which we didn't really touch on, was whatever the creatures are, they need the darkness because they are super sensitive to light. Yeah. So that's why when, when Evan infected, st- infected, he started uh-huh. to see like it was light yeah. outside. Well, I, yeah, I loved that. I was like, yeah, that oh, was that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, no, there were some there were some really great collaboratively creative moments, and that was one of the. Yeah, best. that's you know that's why when you say you see light, I was like specifying like you see the blinding light or do you see like it is light? <laughs> yeah. So because it's a one shot, seeing who achieves their goals is really kind of a moot point. Yeah, especially <laughs> since everybody dies in this. Yeah, so no the, one achieved their goals. I mean, the only one that achieved the goal was you got your hope die. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. Up to the bunker. <laughs> yeah. But let's go ahead and talk about role playing. Oof. 
My favorite part was when I ripped my own arm off. <laughs> and that was great. That part was awesome. I, I think that was a really good example of what the truths could be used for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a failed moment. We put out a candle. Mm-hmm. And you were just... I was like, we lost the guard and my arm. I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> this group has a penchant for self-mutilation. <laughs> You're yeah. welcome. Whether it's physical or mental... Yeah. Or emotional. Yeah. yeah. Man, we, we are, <laughs> we are horrible, horrible players to ourselves. <laughs> it's because we're all about the story. It is because we're all about the story. What can I do to make this story more dramatic? Yep. Well, the arm loss was a great scene. I loved it Like when you got to the bunker and you just felt this little hand grabbing yours. Yeah. That was a great scene. Yeah. Yeah, I like how that got... Everything seemed like very frantic up until that point. And uh-huh. then just the, when that happened, it felt like, it, it felt like you just, stopped. it felt like the energy just slowed down and it just got very eerie for uh-huh. that one part. And then it just ramped itself right back yeah. up. When we That's exactly went how back I felt at that point too. Yeah. It was almost like all, you could feel like the hope collapsing at them, like a bubble. Oh, we're getting here. We're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to survive. And then, yeah, it was all gone. And then your character has a, <laughs> a horrible self-inflicted death. Well, that was was kind of the the card that I got. Yeah. For the was the giving up. There was an easy easy way to fix what you thought the problem was, which interesting to to know where you were going with that oncology appointment. I was kind of hoping that you were going to say, "Oh well." Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's not. Maybe he's wrong. Maybe this thing that I feel in my neck is just, you know, that cyst that I had. Okay. You know, and it's like, then you could have gone. When you said that, I was thinking, is that an implanted thought? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking it's memory manipulation right there. I was like, uh oh. I was trying to do a flashback like in Fiasco. Yeah, I I, I know. But at the same time, it's like, is it a false memory? Yeah, that's what the thought was in the back of my mind. But then I went right back to the card. It's like, well, there's no easy way to fix this. So he's he's at the brink. He's going to give up. Yep. I didn't really know what your brink was at that point. So I was just kind of trying to give you another (laughs) option for how to play. Uh And and it actually fed into your brink a little bit more starkly than I realized. Well, that's what I was thinking anyway. Yeah. Especially once um, Brightburn said... Came right out and was like, and Evan's infected too. Like, out of nowhere. He was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, mean, well, I, was he... just, I wasn't sure what to do because I ran past, my Brightburn ran past the guard and he's like, it's just the guy in the van. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a second. He, he knows that there's a starfish inside Evan. <laughs> like, he would have said that. And so I kind of was like, real quick, just before the, the story moved on any further, I was like, and Evan's infected. Even though it was like something that, as a player, seemed like, oh, you forgot. The way it happened in game was it, was pretty good. It, it was fit into your callous. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It was almost like you knew, but you were still holding out hope. And then at that point, you're just like, I would say, forget the yeah. hope. <laughs> this guy's infected. He's got to go. <laughs> You're infected. You're infected. You're infected. Oh, my bunker. Good times. I think that uh, my favorite scene with uh, Senator Blaine 
was just the farewell note. Ooh. Where it was a, like a campaign speech. <laughs> I, I do like how you took that. Yeah. In that, in that direction. So in the book, does it want us to record those before we start the game? Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. And I just totally blanked on it. That's I mean, that's the, awesome. That's a cool... That's cool. And we talked off air before that I had been watching uh, Stargate Universe. Yeah. And they that's a theme in there that people are recording these things. And they had one of those moments where... I mean, everybody's going recording these things, and you see some of what they're recording, but you don't see everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's one episode where one of the main characters dies, and at the end of the episode, it closes off by showing what they had recorded mm-hmm. about, and it was like, oh man, that's like boom, like mm-hmm. you in the soul yeah. kind of. If if we were to play this again, that would be a thing that I wouldn't want to skip. No, right. kind of try yeah. to lay out your character before you even know the events. Of the and story. that's that's the way I tried to play it. Was you know I I have a senator. You know he's all about the image and yeah yeah his yeah. personality is about being in power. Yeah, I, I tried to do that too. Is my guy was all about success yeah. and like because I look at it more like it was a, a vi- like a, a diary, like yeah. an audio diary of some yeah. sort. So this was not something for the public. This was just me saying I will survive. Yeah. I don't care about anybody else. Whereas mine was specifically meant for the public. My, my guy was like, there's this stuff. This stuff should make a lot of money. <laughs> and as a CFO, that's what you're thinking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Some very good role-playing moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I definitely think that we're going to be coming back to this again. I oh um, yeah. at mm-hmm. at some point I w- I want to get Carlin to play this oh, game <laughs> because Carlin Carlin is a, a good friend of the group. He, um, he played with us in our first campaign, and his middle name is Horror. Like he he watches <laughs> yeah. he, a, a ton of horror movies. He subscribes and breathes horror. Yeah, he, to jump back to that scene with. Brightburn mm-hmm. at the bunker. That is something that was he would have done. Dran Renner would have done. Yes, it is there. It's mm-hmm. like in his moment to save himself. It's like, oh, and this guy's infected too. Kill him, and just and go. Just run. <laughs> yeah. and, and even after that, when he pushed me. Yeah. 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 That was. I had this. That was one of those things where I got my Brink card. Yeah. And I and I kind of struggled for a while to figure out how am I gonna fit this in where it was fine, joy, objectly humiliating your husband. I was like trying to think, okay, so that's something that I've done in the past. Yeah. So, it says a lot about your character. Yeah. yeah. And so like I was, and so I, the only way I could think to fit it in, especially at the end when we were just like, when, you know, two people left, one candle left, left lit, I was just like, you know what? He's, he knows he's going to die. He'll, 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 he'll make sure he's the last to go. So. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote that for you <laughs> and uh, I, I, I wanted to see how you would play off of that emotional knowledge that your character is, is a bit of a manipulative individual. And mm-hmm. I think that that was... It helped inform your character pretty well. And it also tied in nicely with your callous card. Yeah. Uh, like how you could be yeah. callous at some moments and you could seem really compassionate at others. And yeah, and I'm, I'm actually... I'm reading a book about people who are emotionally manipulative. Um, so I was like, oh, well, that character seems to have that written all over them. So... Met some of those people. They're not fun. When did you start I've reading I've known too many of them. <laughs> this week. Okay. Why? I was like, did you start reading it during Terror to Proximus when you no. took control of Aurora James? <laughs> no. 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 
Although, I mean, if you look at the trend of our role playing, there is always a, some kind of emotional manipulation happening, <laughs> which is probably just a uh, yeah. Look at our current campaign with Maya. Well, no, that's that's it's a little different with <laughs> Terra Proximus. That was pure like emotional manipulation from Aurora James. Like this is just other story elements that are meant to try and push our characters. That was just. <laughs> His uh, his character's wife was ex-wife. Ex-wife, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it still runs deep. Stipulation. <laughs> Orion James is one of my favorite characters. <laughs> Orion James is. We had still great in. characters that game. Yes. So yeah, no, I don't know anything about emotional manipulation. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think that's about it for this session. Uh, I I want to thank you guys for coming out on the limb. We originally tried a different session today. But it didn't work out the way that we wanted, so that that goes on the scrap heap. And so you guys were champs for letting me pull another game off the shelf without yeah. any kind of thought and just run with it. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think today turned out really great. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that we got a chance to try this. And this has been a system that's been on the periphery for the group for a while, and I wanted to get it in. And it was either like this time or the next time that I lead a, a small uh, a one shot. Here soon, we've got we've got two different one shots that are cooking. One that Johnny's going to do, and one that Jeremy is going to do. And I am really excited for the opportunity to, to sit play. to sit down as a player in yes. one of your guys' groups. And you've done it. You've done it for Johnny before. Uh, I've played with Johnny before, but I've never had you as a GM. Yeah, it's still way different. I, that's the thing. I think that being the the GM or the storyteller or um, the the person who who throws all the balls in the air, I think that it is a very uniquely identifiable thing about you how you do it mm -hmm. it says something a lot about you as a person yeah. and how you choose to approach game and how you choose what moments are important and everything like that and i think it's interesting because i feel like it changes for me as i go through different seasons in life how i gm is very different like how i ran terra proximus where I was writing the stats of the character, the NPCs down on a card and then handing it to one person and saying, you play this character is completely different from how I ran Angel's Guard, where I kept everything close. Yeah. And then how we've been doing Proxies of War is, is again, another... Proxies of War. <laughs> Elements of War. Elements, Elements of War. Of war. <laughs> I always mess that up. Julian would agree, Proxies of War. <laughs> Elements of War is, is, again, a very different GMing approach. Yeah. Than, yeah. than either of those. I mean, but it, I mean, it has, all three have worked very well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's also, part of it works so well because there's such completely different types of campaigns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But one thing I love about trying a one-shots is that you get to try different, try different ways, ways of GMing. Yeah. And I love that this one is all about who gets narrative control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really like that aspect of the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. that that part of it reminded me a lot of Fiasco. Yeah. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. in Fiasco, you're deciding who gets... Yeah, yeah Fiasco is every person has their own turn yeah. of being the narrator. Yeah, mm -hmm. And Cosmic Patrol can work that way, too, yeah. because... In yeah. Cosmic Patrol, you're supposed to shift the narrator from one to the other. We're supposed to. We didn't. We didn't exactly play it that way. But. Yeah. Deploy the spanker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. It's special it, thanks to Chris for coming tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, thank you very much. It was. We're going to keep you on the short list awesome. of, of guest appearances. Yes. So, hopefully, you'll be able to return. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Well, 
I'm kicking y'all out. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Bone Thrower's Theater and for the Ten Candles episodes as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bone Thrower's Theater. We are releasing this podcast under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. That means you can share the podcast, but please do not modify it or try to gain financially from it. If you would like to visit our website, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater.com. If you would like to send us an email, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is bonethrowerstheater. You can also look us up on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And until next time, may the bones fall ever in your favor. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.